0: I am a holistic alcohol coach who ended a 20-year relationship to alcohol without labels, counting days, or ever making excuses. Now I help women just like you from around the world do the same with my one-on-one private coaching program. In this podcast, we will explore my revolutionary approach to getting alcohol out of your way that breaks all the rules, life-enhancing tools that make not drinking exciting and joyful, and the profound and sacred journey that it is to rediscover who you are on the other side of alcohol. This show is not a substitution for rehabilitation, medical treatment, or advice, so please talk to a medical professional if your alcohol consumption is at risk to your mental or physical health. Now, on with the show. Welcome back, my beautiful listeners. Thank you for being here for another episode. I can't even tell you, this has been a long time in the making. I have a very special guest here today. She is not only a dear friend of mine and a colleague, essentially, um, but also a client. So I wanted to welcome to the show Erin Aaron Vanderkoy. Erin, Aaron, thanks so much for being here.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm I am thrilled to be here. <laughs> this is a Hi. dream come true. <laughs>
0: Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm just so thrilled. I'm glad that we made it happen. Um, Erin, I like to start by having you kind of introduce yourself. But first, before we get into the bio, um, tell our audience, what's the most magical, exciting thing about your life right now?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, I feel like there could be so many things right now, which is kind of a nice place to be. Yeah. Uh, I would say the most magical thing is living probably my most authentic life. I am in my early 40s, and I feel like every decade gets better and better, and for different reasons, I suppose, but I'm doing so many things now that I dreamt of doing for quite a long time, and uh, I love the work that I do, and I'm making impact in the world and helping people, and so I think that's the most magical thing, I guess, uh, without sort of, yeah, preparing a thought around that that would be what comes naturally just feeling really um graceful and kind with where I'm at with all sorts of different parts of my life I suppose
0: yeah that's beautiful it feels doesn't it feel good to feel good about being you <laughs> yeah. I love yeah, that. It, it does We
1: all and you know that's not saying that I'm perfect by any means just accepting and understanding and um growing and being open and curious and um, with, you know, all my, my faults and, and wonderful things as well. You know, that's, yeah, it's, it, that it is a really nice place to be for sure.
0: Yeah. It gives us something to look forward to, to grow more into ourselves of acceptance. So that's so awesome. Tell, uh, tell our audience about how you are contributing to the world through your work and through the other things that you're doing.
1: I am a health coach and a herbalist and i'm soon to be a functional nutrition counselor which i am really excited about Uh, i'm also the founder of power which is portland oregon women entrepreneur roundtable which is a phenomenal community of women-owned businesses and entrepreneurs here in portland oregon Um, but yeah my main business is my health coach practice and i work with clients one-on-one to get curious about their own ecosystem and how we can shift the trajectory of their life Um, going forward, you know, a few years to 10 years to 20 years to 30 years, et cetera. I think that there's, we we tend to, as we age, get used to little things that start popping up. Maybe we have a skin issue that's comes and goes or our knees ache or, um, you know, we get bloated. And we think, oh, this is just my genes or who I am, or this comes with age. And all of a sudden our level of what we accept as normal is not very comfortable. You know, you take one or two of these things on their own and it's not really the end of the world. You don't, it's not urgent. You know, you don't need to seek advice or healing for it um, maybe um, pressingly. uh, But then you get four or five or six of these things and now you're living this life. It's not very comfortable and you've accepted it as your normal. So my whole, Uh, goal and uh, intention with clients is to help them really feel their best and to get feel sort of better each year as we get older. I know that every year I get, I feel like I get better and better in in all areas, physical, emotional, um, and really looking at a whole holistic approach. So, you know, it's not um, just obviously the foods that we put into our body have an effect, uh, but that's not the only thing that creates um, our our optimum health. It's our environment, our lifestyle, and, you know, toxins, all these sorts of things and doing it with a gentle approach. So there's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. I have, absolutely no idea when a client comes to me what's going to work for them I can't say you know you have to do this and that you're going to be cured or um, but we can work together uh, one-on-one to try things out and rule things out and then add things in that do work until they figure out how their unique system uh, operates which is really really exciting because I think one of the most confusing things about health and wellness especially now is we have access to all this information at our fingertips and books that are so compelling to eat this way or do this or exercise this way. And, you know, people try them because they're compelling and there is science that backs it up. But we all have a story of where we've come from, from the day we were born to how we got to where we are today. And so what's one person's poison is another person's health. And, uh, you know, you might do all of these things and it doesn't work. And you think, what's wrong with me? Or what am I not doing right? Or why is it not sustainable? And it's just because it's not doesn't work for you, which is it's, it's okay. It's not a bad thing. So it's figuring out how to help people get to that place of feeling really good all the time, uh, in their own unique body. Uh, Mm. Yeah.
0: (laughs) awesome! This is mostly why we get along so well is because the approach, you know, that we've worked on together. Um, so similar with that, where, you know, I feel the same way. Like, I don't know what's going to work for people, but I'm so glad that you're doing health, in this way because it can be so overwhelming yeah. and to resign to a life of like mediocre, like meh, yeah. <laughs> no, is like, is just a story, you know? And, um, so thank you for I doing have, that. And I um, I, oh, yeah. Awesome. And I just wanted to say about, um, po- uh, power, um, is that something that is,
1: is exclusive right now still to the local community or have you opened that up for? It's an interesting question. It is definitely open because we are online and we have had members joining us from different parts of mostly North America. So we've had someone come from Canada and a few people um, in different States across um, America and, we we will be meeting in person again uh, coming up pretty soon here as things open up and the vaccine rolls out. Uh, I think that my plan with that is to grow the in-person event. So we'll probably get up to 150 or 200, but I'll do that once a quarter. And then the other two events will still be online. So there's so many of us that are working online now that it's very, very easy to support um, women-owned businesses and entrepreneurs from anywhere that would like to attend the event. So In short, yes, uh, anyone can come. They they wouldn't be able to attend the in-person event uh, once a quarter if they weren't in Portland, but that's, you know, there's, you could drop in any time and still really benefit from this community and what's being, being shared there.
0: Yeah. And we'll make sure that the listeners have the link and the info to it because it was actually, I don't know if you know this, it was actually, um, a really big part of my sacred journey, um, to on the other side of alcohol, which was my saying yes to more things, which I know we're going to get into, um, but was coming to power. I had never done anything like that. And, um, it made me feel so completely supported. I think I came to a different event that you were hosting, but with that same community when you were doing mm-hmm. the evening roundtables. Um, but it really gave me that, opportunity to gain evidence for myself that I could be in a community with fun, empowered women. And of course, of course, the space that you created and be there as myself and not need a drink and be able to, um, have fun and connect and do all of the things that, uh, alcohol had told me that I needed it for, and I didn't. And so it was, it was a really big part of my journey. So thank you for creating that space. Uh-
1: I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's really important. And I think people feel comfortable showing up exactly as they are in that community, which is one of the most, I think, beautiful parts about it. Yeah. Um, And there's lots of non-drinkers there and we all all get to be who we are. And yeah, it's awesome. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And it just kind of goes to what to show me also. And one of the really big messages that I like to get across is, You don't have to hang out in exclusive sober communities to find your people when alcohol isn't the focus and you feel really good about your own decisions that becomes a a, can become a background choice. Um, So it really all depends on what you decide you want to focus on. So when I started saying yes, to life to more opportunities, I was just attracting the other people that were also saying yes to life and more opportunities and alcohol wasn't the main focus. And so if I I felt like if I only would have hung out in sober communities, I would have just missed the opportunity to be around so many awesome people who I don't even know if they drink, you know, it's just not even a, it's a moot point. So yes, um, I love that. Absolutely. Moot point. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And it can be, you know, and for some people it's, they have to navigate those waters a little bit more tenderly, but I just like to always like, there's just so many possibilities of this journey. And so, um, so what we, I would like to talk about is, um, is Aaron is your story first. And then I just want to let the listeners know, we're going to talk a little bit about Aaron's experience coaching with me one-on-one. And also she's going to give us some tidbits about, um, alcohol and health, and just let us know a couple of things and see how, where this journey takes us today. So, Erin, what I would love to start with is kind of your story. Tell us a little bit about when you first started drinking and what that's looked like for you throughout your life.
1: Sure. So, gosh, I had a really rebellious teenage uh, year, few years uh, that I was sort of a straight A student, piano lessons after school, uh, kind of a goody two shoes. And we, we moved quite a lot and we had this move where I was... Um, kind of at that you know that tender age where you're figuring yourself out your hormones are all starting to act up and uh, and it was really hard for me to kind of resettle into this new um school and I kind of got in with the i guess the the rebel crowd or the wrong crowd you could say and um I started experimenting with alcohol Uh, then and uh, I moved out fairly young downtown Vancouver BC I'm Canadian so I grew up there and uh, I used to love going clubbing I was underage I had fake ID I thought it was so cool and um, it really was just kind of the norm the people that I hung out with you know we would do shots and drink and um, and then I became of age it's kind of weird to admit to the whole world and the public that I was drinking underage in my misspent youth, but there you go. Uh, I'm kind of proud of all parts of me and where I've come from, wouldn't change a thing. Uh, But then I went traveling and I spent a year in Australia and then moved to England where I spent um, almost 14 years. And it's interesting because the culture, the drinking culture in England is it really, or at least, the different parts of it that I was exposed to, it really is the norm. And so I would have my friends that I was still enjoying going clubbing with and to parties and um, to pubs, you know, a Sunday afternoon, it's amazing to me to think of how different my Sundays are now compared to back then, you know, a Sunday afternoon would be to go to the pub and friends who had kids would go to the pub with their kids. It's a kind of a family atmosphere in that way in England. But everybody is drinking. And uh, I worked in recruitment for for quite some time. And you'd take clients out for lunch, and you'd drink a couple bottles of wine uh, between four of you on a lunch break. And you'd go back into work feeling, you know, a little tipsy, but you would still work the rest of the day. And that was also the norm. Your bosses knew it was, you know, nothing was hidden. Uh, you'd go out for a drink after work to the pub, and there'd be five of you and you know, one person would buy around. That's how it, we did it there. And so you would stay to get your drinks from everyone else who was going to then buy around afterwards. So it was again, very normal to have four or five drinks on a Wednesday night and then make your way home. Uh, and that just seemed normal to me. And I, I I realized, you know, the work that I've done, the more people that I speak with, that, that that's maybe not so normal. Um, and, you know, with my family, um, my family wasn't, um, uh my immediate family aren't heavy uh drinkers they're very you know in moderation um but alcohol was seen as something that was done in celebration you know for something that was um happy or birthdays or any kind of celebration or sadness um and then i do think that there is was some alcoholism in my more extended family for sure uh, which i learned the more that i kind of delved into my own um, history and habits and things with, with alcohol. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was attached to anything social, uh, dinner parties. Um, it, it really just was this normal type thing that was always around. And I didn't really question or think, how is this affecting me or, um, how is this impacting me? Um, so yeah, that's kind of my, my, my story of alcohol up until, Not that long ago, just a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what, and you know that the quote unquote normal drinking, right. Is like, you know, the listeners know that alcohol is a neutral circumstance. It's a little liquid that sits in a bottle and it really I is. I love how you say
1: this. Your thoughts that <laughs> yep. create. What makes it normal worse. or not normal or good or bad, right. It's yeah. not, it's not good or bad. Same as my coaching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, you know, it was normal, right. It was a regular occurrence. And so to even say that it's not normal, well we don't know it really just comes down to when did it start to not when did it start to expose that the results you were getting in your life weren't desirable that the that the normalcy of the habit became something that you didn't want to be normal
1: yeah well it's interesting because i you know there were there were there were the odd times where i drank too much for sure and luckily i didn't hit i mean i had some Unfortunate things happen um, when I was a young adult, but that wasn't really, I mean, I guess it was kind of related to alcohol, but there were other things involved in that, but really over the last, you know, 25 years that I've been drinking, I didn't really hit a massive rock bottom. I did have an instance or two where a good friend would say, Hey, you know, you might not, you might want to not drink quite so much um, just because we're worried. We want to make sure you get home safe or at least you know, keeping my safety in mind. Um, but I think what happened to me is, um, was just this, rep- I just knew that something wasn't right. Uh, and it was this repetitive, uh, it was, I was creating so much noise in my head around alcohol. So, um, I would wake up and feel so bad and say, I'm never going to drink again. I mean, I did that for 10 plus years. I'm not drinking anymore. And then a few days later, cause I, I, I was trying to figure out, you know, the the typical alcoholic that I had in my mind was somebody who couldn't get by a day without a drink. And I could go days or even a week without a drink. I didn't usually go I never went longer than that because it would always pop up in my life somewhere and I would end up having a drink, but I didn't feel like I needed it. And yet I was having these moments of, I don't want to drink anymore. I'm never drinking again and then not doing it. So that repetition of saying that I'm going to do something, or in this case, not going to do something and then doing it again and then saying, no, it it was maddening. thing. I think there's that saying of, um, I can't remember There's some Einstein saying about repeating a pattern and, and, thinking things are going to be different or something. Um, And so then it became down to, oh, well, I'll just have X amount of drinks and that will be okay. And then I wouldn't do that. And then I would feel disappointed or wake up um, feeling like I hadn't stuck to integrity, you know, stuck to my word. Also, um, just the hangovers were making work very hard. Uh, Also, when I really, really got stuck into my business a few years ago, I felt unauthentic Um, I felt like I wasn't walking my talk Uh, I would smoke these super slim, super slim menthol cigarettes sometimes when I drank and I would think, gosh, I'm a health coach and I'm knocking back, you know, three glasses of wine and smoking these little cigarettes. And what does that tell people about me? Like, how can I, how can I, and again, you know, I uh, trying to act in a place of not judging myself, but back then I was definitely judging myself. I was very hard on myself and it was just a negative Repeti- rep- repeti- repetition, um, spiral, I uh, had a lot of shame and guilt in there. And so it's interesting to me, it didn't seem like there was a problem. Isn't it funny after I say all of that? And yet I feel like society it's so alcohol is so confusing in the way that society, um, is structured and how and again I, I feels like I'm going to end up saying normal a lot on this podcast but what what is acceptable and okay and you know there were times back then where I felt well if I'm because I would experiment with not having a drink and I would feel like I'd need to explain myself or I'm the odd one out, or there's something wrong with me, or, you know, there was a lot of shame and guilt involved in there, Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe I would make decisions that I wasn't super proud of or or happy about the next day. Um, And so that went on for, you know, a really, really long time. Uh, And then I ended up having some health issues. So a couple of years ago, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune uh, marker and uh, shortly thereafter, Candida, And I mean, that's a whole other story. If anyone ever wants to talk with me about that, please reach out because uh, I actually gave up Um, my drink was red wine and beer. I didn't really drink anything else. I didn't really like hard alcohol. Uh, And so I'd pretty much stopped drinking beer because it was affecting my health. And then I was only on the red wine and I stopped drinking red wine for a month. And then I had this candida die off reaction and I actually diagnosed myself. I went into my naturopath. I said, I really need to be tested for this. I think this is what's happening. At the time, she she just said it's not very common. And even with the, the results, it doesn't, it doesn't always tell us accurate, um, accurately if you have it or not. And I said, I really just want to see. And I went back in and we were both laughing because she said, Erin, every single marker is off the charts with your candida. I've never seen results like this. And I think that's because for so many years, I was feeding my gut imbalance of, of this yeast imbalance in my body with the with the red wine and prior to that with the beer. And so it was keeping those little bugs. I know it's kind of gross, but we all have bugs all over our bodies and in, <laughs> mostly in our guts, um, but it was keeping those bugs happy. And when I took their source away and um, they got really upset. And so that took me on a completely other, um, a, another path of discovery and, and healing and working with this, with this, with this thing that I desperately wanted to keep in my life and yet was giving me no, there was nothing that it was providing me. And when I really boiled it down to that, I thought alcohol gives me nothing. And not drinking alcohol gives me absolutely everything, even saying that right now, it actually makes me feel a little bit emotional. I knew that if it wasn't in my life, in at least in that way, that everything would change in a positive way, I would be clearer on a day to day basis, I wouldn't be living in a hangover, you know, two or three times a week. And you know, even in the last couple of years of drinking, I wasn't, I wasn't going over the weekly recommendation, right? They say drink 14 units per week. And I thought, well, I'm within the 14 units. Why is this a problem? Why am I putting so much thought into this? Why do I have this crazy, these thoughts all the time in my head? Okay, I'm going to someone's house for dinner. What am I going to drink? How much am I going to drink? Is there going to be enough? Is there going to be too little? Like, what's the plan? You know, and it was just a lot of clutter. Um, And yet, I thought that it was all still okay, but what it comes down to, I suppose, and you'll be able to articulate this much better than me. Because I just love hearing you speak about this topic. Um, but what it comes down to is what is okay for you, for each individual person, and nobody can tell you what that is. And there's no judgment, you know. If if somebody has one one drink once a week and that's fine for them, or someone is drinking within the 14 units and it's not fine for them, you know, you just have to figure out what what is it adding to your life what is the benefit? How do you want to, how do you want to be in the world? How do you want to be to yourself, your own body, your own mind?
0: Yeah.
1: It was a lot. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Beautifully articulated. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's so much in there that I want to ask you about. <laughs> um, and I'm just so glad you brought up that, you know, that it had to come down to what is it for me? Because that normalcy, and actually, the episode probably before this, I actually talk about that, that there's the story of normalcy that I think everyone thinks is the population is saying, <laughs> um, but I really think that it kind of comes from big alcohol, um, creates the story that we now all think we all have. But, every, but so when you explored those thoughts about, oh, what will other people think when you ex- started exploring that? What was the reality for you?
1: Um, well, interesting, interesting because I have this joke with, with my roommate. Um, it sounds a little harsh and a little mean, but it makes me laugh. So I'm going to share it. Um, whenever we're kind of wrapped up about something like this, we'll joke and say, nobody cares.com. like really, truly. Nobody, nobody gives nobody a shit cares. if I'm drinking or not, or what I'm drinking. It's all in my own head. I'm high fiving you. <laughs> I love that. Nobody cares. Nobody cares.
0: <laughs> I literally said that on this, this last episode too. I was just like, oh, really? Yeah, not nobodycares.com, but I love that. But that, I do think it comes down to that because that's usually with people that is their biggest fear. And I'm like, test it go yeah. in there, be confident, be proud of yourself, but test it yeah. Lead with your intention. And people don't care. And the people that do are usually the ones questioning their own habits.
1: I was just <laughs> that. Yes. And unfortunately, you know, you can't, if so, if you're going to make a decision and somebody cares or if they feel uncomfortable, you're spot on. It is because they're questioning or they're going through something on their In their own journey. And you can't take that on yourself. That's, that's their thing to explore. And if they want to reach out and for me anyway, and chat with me about it, or then they can, but I'm not going to have someone who feels uncomfortable drinking in front of me when I'm not Make me feel. I I just don't take it on anymore, and it's right. interesting because I've been dating right now, and I was speaking with a. Um, uh, actually, I was on the another um, podcast, and they were saying, well, you know, when you're so I, because they I knew that I wasn't drinking, and they said, when you're going on dates, do you tell people beforehand? And I said, well, why? Why would I need to explain myself to somebody before I've even met them? So if someone on their dating profile says they love whiskey and beer and lists us all as alcohol and then suggests that we meet in a whiskey bar, well, yeah, I'm probably going to say, hey, it seems like alcohol is really important to you. We can go to the whiskey bar, but I'm probably not going to drink maybe in that situation. But otherwise, I'm going to go out on a date and I'm going to order a soda and bitters or whatever delectable mocktail they might have or treat myself to something fancy because I'm not spending money on crazy alcohol. And if they if there's if there's an issue there, well then that's not someone that I need or want to be continuing a relationship with anyway. So I don't feel like I need to take on other people's emotions around my drinking or explain myself. Yeah. You know? But it took me a while to get and it does take practice for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah. And we just have to test
0: it. Absolutely. Because yeah. so much of the story is a story. It's, it's really thoughts in your head. And, and we'll, we'll hopefully get into a little bit of that. Is like, well, a lot of it's just so hypothetical. Right. And, you know, that future focus of that one thing that we might be doing. One thing that I, I was curious about, um, when you were mentioning the, the recommended, uh, units and what it,
1: what are the, what's the recommended I think it's 14, but it's confusing because a a pint of IPA would would not be one unit. I mean, that's a very strong 16-ounce drink, right? So you and then a a large, you know, there's different um glasses of wine. is small to large. And so you need to take that into consideration.
0: And but that's unit, per
1: week? Per week. And so if you were looking at hard alcohol, I think a unit is one shot whereas most cocktails and drinks would be made with two. So I just kind of wanted to point this out because
0: this is my interpretation of it. And this is coming from like the CDC, right? Um, Yeah. So this is based on scientific research of what affects health in a negative way, right? What can be predisposed for cancer or, right? Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What. I don't think is what I don't believe in our culture, the story of alcohol, the, the accepted epidemic, um, that we live in, in this world <laughs> that is really, that's really looked at is like the L, the 14 units might be, um, not create any physical disease maybe. Right. But we can talk about all the ways that that might affect you as you especially start as you start to um, age, but it is still habit forming. Yes. And that is where you were having that disconnect. Yeah. You know, is like, it doesn't matter <laughs> if you know you might have that one drink a day but if it's habit forming and it's creating a mental conflict and mental friction in your decision making
1: yeah. then
0: is that something that you want if you're okay with it you're okay with it but yeah. what i have what i have noticed and you can tell me if this has been your experience also is there's two it's double fold with frequency and duration the habit gets stronger. And sometimes even drinking less will have more of a negative impact the the longer you've been drinking.
1: Yeah. Um, And and also when you're, yeah, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, this might be a little bit different to what you're speaking about, but also when you're, when you're cutting down, your tolerance goes down. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, one or two drinks and I'm, I'm feeling pretty, pretty merry. Whereas before I could drink four or five and, and be at the same stage. So yeah. that is also something to consider when you're experimenting with that, that you're, you know, our bodies are quite sensitive and alcohol is a really potent, potent thing that you're putting through your system. And something, I know this is also maybe a little off spec, but something else that dawned on me was when um, I was playing around with caffeine and I started to feel like I was finding, feeling sensitive. And I thought, well, I only drink tea. I mean, for goodness sakes, it's, you know, <laughs> how can a cup of tea be hard? Um, but I started playing around with that habit and it was it was equally as hard for me to let go of my habit of black, my one cup of black tea in the morning. I felt almost angry about it, but it was so obvious when I had it that I did, didn't feel good. And so I then started thinking about the alcohol and I thought, you know, do I really truly feel, I know it's it's hitting all my receptors. I'm getting my dopamine hit. I'm getting, you know, everything is reacting in my body to tell me that this is a reward, that this is fun, that this is plus all the thought process of 20 years of drinking that's created that, that habit. Um, but is it actually making me feel good? And the answer is most of the time, no, you know, but you push through because you think that's, that's, you know, you're going to have that second drink or third, if you're hanging out with friends or whatever it might be. Um, anyway, I kind of went way off topic there, but
0: (laughs) yeah, no, and I just, I'm glad that you brought that up. And, um, but do you, I mean, do you see that that's like kind of a missing piece of the information Mm-hmm. You know, like there's, okay, oh, there's absolutely. concerns, but the habit is going to create its own mental health concern, right? That's yeah. not like the factor in the CDC recommendation, which is why I think you have to question everything, whether it's coming from an authority, quote unquote, absolutely. or not. And you yeah. have to be the authority of yourself. You have to yeah. tap into that sovereignty of yeah. what's your story, regardless of what anyone else is doing. Yeah. Um, so, to get, get back to your story a little bit. So you started having these, um, you know, c- kind of now questioning it, having this mental friction, having this, this, um, show this thing showing up with the candida and then what, so then what was the step, the next step?
1: Well, so I cut out wine for a month and then had the candida. And the, the funny thing is, is that sometimes when we're on these, uh, when we're putting on our detective hats and getting really investigative about our health, it, it, it's frustrating, sometimes, especially with alcohol, because you feel like, well, when I drink it, I, if I, if it's just small amounts and regularly, I actually feel better. Now all of a sudden i mm-hmm. cut it out for a month and I'm dealing with this candida and candida is no joke. I mean, it's taken me a long time to balance that out and a lot of effort and work. It's probably one of the more tricky things to balance in our bodies. Um, but you think, well, what's the point? you know, I might as well just keep having a not drink here and there and it, and it, it will be fine. Um, But, uh, I did, I went, I I did, um, stay off it for the most part for quite a few months. And then I kind of got back into a little bit of a habit where I would open a bottle of wine and, um, you know, I wouldn't be drinking every day, but it'd be really easy for me to finish an entire bottle of wine in one evening. And like I was saying earlier, you know, my tolerance is not that high. So I'm that that's a lot of alcohol for someone who's not drinking that often. And so I really, my hangovers were, were just unbelievable. Um, And they kind of floored me a couple of times for almost an entire week. I could not pull myself out of the slog. And so it was again, just this kind of torturous mind thoughts around it, right? Why am I doing this to myself? Why do I, why do I have that first class? And I actually, um, Mary, I had tried because I, I mentioned earlier that I've been thinking about this for t- probably over 10 years. So not really actively working on it. And like I say, I never really hit a super rock bottom either. It was just this clutter in my mind and obviously these bad hangovers and, um, but I had tried different things. So I had attended an AA meeting a couple of times with different friends who had given up drinking. And I, I while I think AA is a wonderful organization and really, really works, I have some some, some of my closest friends um, use AA and help um, other people through that method. It, it didn't click for me. It just didn't, I didn't feel, I couldn't relate. And then I, there's another program called Smart Recovery, which I tried that also. And that was that was a little bit more on my path. I tried reading books. Um, and, but none of that was really helping. And so that's actually when I reached out to you. And I think it's interesting because I know that AA can be a source for people to ask for help and they can get it there. And I think smart recovery can pop as well. I don't know as much about that organization, but there was something about asking you for help that felt, um, it just felt different. Uh, I was a little bit humbled because, you know, we're part of the same circles and community. And in some ways it's, it's, I, I felt like it was saying that I had some big problem, right? Cause there's so much stigma attached to alcohol. I just wanted to be someone who could drink normally, you know, not drink the whole bottle of wine or not go on this roller coaster. If I'm not drinking, okay, I am. And my friend's trying to support me, not really understanding how or what to do to support me. And it's not their job either. And I didn't really ask or want it in that way. Um, But to ask you felt like a really, it felt like an investment in myself. Mm -hmm. It felt a little humbling. It felt also exhilarating and exciting because I thought this is, this is what I've needed to do is, is say the words, I need help. I need someone to help me get through this and to figure out what's on the other side. And so that was really, it was trial and error through that, just implementing different tools, uh, different strategies. And It's interesting because if you'd asked me a year ago, if my relationship with alcohol would be the way it is right now, I just, I, I there's I couldn't, I couldn't have imagined it because 10 plus years, I was trying to get to the next level or somewhere where I felt a little more comfortable and that clutter was gone. Um, and I, if I had, if someone had said that I was going to do that during COVID, I mean, in some ways COVID made it easier because it, there was less social engagement and in some ways COVID made it harder because we were so isolated and it was such a crazy time in the world and that was my advice for 25 years if I was stressed if I was upset if I was suffering or experiencing I should say uh, any kind of grief which we all were going through the roller coaster of grief throughout COVID so for me, grief is a, is a big part of drinking. If I'm experiencing grief or sadness or any of that, I, w- I want to have a glass of wine. And um, uh, yeah, so it was trial and error. And I guess uh, the fun thing to say would be that I had the biggest breaks that I've ever had. Uh, I think I went you know, four months without having a drink. I went another three months. I went, And I didn't like the idea of saying forever. It didn't resonate with me either. And I think this is why it's so important for people to figure out what works for them. Um, And it's, there's no judgment. It's okay. You know, at some point I thought, well, I'm supposed to just not drink ever. That's what I'm supposed to do. I have clearly, I've I've shown myself that moderation doesn't work sometimes. And, and, but uh, I, the the counting of the days and saying, I've made it 180 days. It's that also has just never really resonated with me. What's resonated with me is just not having an alcohol part of my day-to-day life. And I'm still, I have to admit, I'm still experimenting. So there is, um, there are times where I decide that I'm going to have a drink. And mostly what I'm doing now is I'm, well, I should say the best thing that I'm doing now is zero judgment, absolutely zero, complete curiosity and observation. I mean, that's one of my biggest mottos with my own coaching uh, clients is observation and curiosity over judgment. Always. Because if we, yeah, if we can put our, our curious hat on and say, well, what, you know, and, I, and some of the tools that work as well as planning. So not, not drinking, um, not deciding in the moment to have a drink, but deciding at least 24 hours before. is a a really great one because usually 24 hours before I I look at the situation and I think, well, no, I don't, I don't want to drink. So it's in those moments that in, in the moment of, if it's stress or grief or excitement or celebration that you think, no, I really want one, but I've, I've not planned it. So I'm not going to, so that 24, I mean, there's so many tools, but that's one that's been really helpful for me. Um, and then just getting really curious, how was I feeling before I had that drink? How did I feel while I was having it? Did it add any value? In most cases, I mean, I guess I could probably actually say all cases. It doesn't add any value, really, zero zilch. And I think of what I would have gained if I hadn't have had that drink, and there is usually things that I would have gained. Um so it's I'm continuing on that curiosity um path, but the fact that, you know, and I have alcohol in my house. It's, it's not that I have, it's, I have this freedom. It's not like I think, oh, well, there's a bottle of wine in the garage. and a few bottles of champagne out there, I think, and maybe some hard alcohol. I just never drink. But it's not like I get home and think, oh, it's out there and I want one or need one. Like all that clutter and chatter is just gone. All that agonizing and counting and planning, and it's just all gone. And the freedom that I feel from that is I'm just so incredibly grateful for that freedom. And I think my relationship is going to, I know my relationship with alcohol is going to continue to evolve. And there may be a day where it's just, it just is no longer for me. Mm -hmm. And I I kind of feel like that might just happen. And then one day I'll lose track and I'll think, gosh, maybe it's been, has it been six months? Maybe. Um, But that's what works for me. And I know everybody is different. Some people, the counting and, and one day at a time is, is, is the best and most powerful method. Um, so it really is just figuring out what works for you. The biggest relief for me is that all that clutter clutter and chatter is gone that i'm not trying to get through my my days making them hard. I thought, why am I making everything harder for myself with these hangovers? Why are you doing this to yourself and that comes down to self worth self love self respect and then the biggest gift out of all of it is feeling really authentic, feeling like i'm living i'm walking my talk i'm i'm you know, and if I have the odd drink um I don't feel like I'm not walking my talk. I mean, you know, I'm giving myself some grace there. And yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. You're and doing anyway. amazing. I'm so proud of <laughs> you.
1: So, what do you think the, I mean, you talked about that
0: investment in yourself, which mm-hmm. 100%. Um, what do you think the difference was? Like when you started doing one on one coaching, what did that really give you the opportunity to do? And you might have said it in some of there, but just so people can understand, you know, what that was like.
1: Uh, it allowed me to, the first thing that comes to mind is I've, I had, I feel like I was mad. <laughs> I feel like I wanted to stamp my feet and um, why not? Why? Can't, it was like I was failing at something. Why can't I drink alcohol? Why can't I? You know, why can't I? And, and I don't mean why can't I as in, why am I not allowed? I mean, why am I not good at this? Why can't I drink like a, uh, you know like somebody I know who has one or two drinks a week? For me, I open the bottle and I drink the whole bottle, right? And um, not all the time, but you know once in a while. And then yeah. Um, so to me, I felt like I was failing at something, and uh, and then I would kept repeating back to not wanting to that um, uh, you know that I was fitting in with all the guidelines and why am I even doing this? And Mary, I think that there was probably at least two if not three times where I said, let's just put this on pause. This, I don't need to be doing this right now. <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the right time. It's not the right time. <laughs> and, uh, Oh, I'm so grateful for you because you just have this way with you. And we would talk through things And by the end of the call, I mean, I wish that I could, I have, I haven't been in coaching before. I, I literally have an entire journal full of notes. I could never scribble fast enough when we were on our calls, the the epiphanies and the aha's and and it was just it was being accountable, um, but not in not in that not in a judge shame or um guilt way, which is what I was normally doing to myself. It was being accountable in a held way, a way that I could express my true um all my vulnerabilities and my truth around this, around this habit. Mm. Um and permission for me not to be broken or for me to be wrong um it's I just can't it's hard to even put into words the impact that working with you had on my life mm-hmm. um oh that's also made me feel emotional
0: <laughs> I love that permission to not be broken um yeah and so when you think about
1: that now like it's not the right time what what shows oh, up hilarious. for that Well, it's funny because I was so convinced that that we should just pause it and pick back up in a few months. And um, I mean, all I can think of with that is it's the habit, the habit. It's really hard to change in a habit that that works off of a chemical reaction in our bodies as a reward system. I mean, it is not. And, you know, what's fascinating is that this rolls out over sugar. You know, some people it's shopping, gambling. It's. You people don't, it's, it's a r- r- little inner rebel in you. People don't want to be told what to do or that they can't do something or when it's this thing that you're addicted to that gives you that dopamine reward. So it's a, a chemical reaction in our bodies. This isn't about white knuckle riding and willpower. This is about educating and understanding and unpacking and simplifying and getting all of the, the hard emotions out of the way to be able to really see it for what it truly is and then take each step forward, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. So would you say that there really ever was a right is a, a right time?
1: No, never. Be- yeah. Right.
0: And so one of the things I remember that we talked about and this is like I don't think you'll care if I mention this, but was you were talking you, one of the things was like going to a festival and mm. oh like how could I ever do this thing, right? And so like, you know, a lot of people are like, "Oh, I'm, I'm going to wait till this milestone comes up and then it's going to be the right time." But what would you say to someone who thinks that there's going to be the right time, can they start this process even while life is still having milestones <laughs> through the whole, you know, every turn of the way?
1: Well, there's always going to be milestones, always, always. And so, and I think that you, this is something that I learned from you is, you know, what your life is like with alcohol. You don't know tech, for some of us, what your life is like without alcohol, And do you want to know, are you curious enough to go to the festival or to have that family dinner or to go to a party? Or are you curious enough about what it feels like on the other side? And, you know, it takes a while. I was, what was fascinating for me, I've, you know, I'm experimenting a little bit again at the beginning of this year, but what was fascinating for me was the bigger chunks that I took off last year. It's hard to explain, but every every once in a while, so it would be a few weeks or a month or a month and a half or three months, I felt like I was breaking through continuously to some new area. It's like you're exploring I don't know, you're exploring some foreign land or jungle, or I don't even know, I can't even, probably not putting this into the right words, but you you just kind of keep pushing through and new things are appearing. And I knew with those larger chunks, which is also what, sh- what makes me think that there will be a point in my future where I just give it up altogether, because I just felt clearer, more connected, more in tune. Uh, and I, you know, the more kind of, um, Spiritual, and um, it, I, it, I just knew that alcohol was just dampening everything, you know? And so uh, I would just say to someone who's thinking if it's not the right time, well, one, it's never going to be the right time. There's always going to be things coming up. And so why not just pick a, you know, for me, it was pick a time frame. Like, let's try it out for maybe it's just two weeks, or maybe it's a month, or maybe it's a day at a time. Like we were saying, it's different for everybody. And um, what, oh, one of the things that's really been fun for me recently, especially this year is uh, I put a reward system, so instead of a chemical reward system in my body and brain, um, put a reward system together where um, in instances I would want to drink, um, when I say no, I'm actually saying yes, yes to not having even two drinks give me a hangover the next day now. So yes to not having a hangover tomorrow, yes to having this experience clear headed and connected and really really being present in the room. And so I'm working towards um, a list of 100 And every 25, I'm rewarding myself with something. And that reward is so easy if it's a massage or reflexology is on my list, a facial. It's so easy because I think about all the money that I've saved in those 25 no's. I mean, it easily pays for my my reward. Um, so that's been really um helpful as an experiment as well. I love doing that. Yeah, I think just just try it for for anyone who I mean it's really if you think about it that there's something coming up is just an excuse. So are you ready to get curious or not? That's what I would ask myself, yourself.
0: Yeah. I love that because, and you really described it beautifully about this like journey through the jungle, right? Is that (laughs) it's not, and this is, I think the stigma of that, like, why can't I kind of thing is that people it's like, there's this, it's one and done. Like I'm either like not drinking or I'm drinking, but when you dismantle a habit, you have to unlearn it. It's an unlearning process and, and a a relearning process of a new way of doing things. And that doesn't happen overnight. So it's like, if you can just step into the journey and be in that liminal space, and you might be in that liminal space for a while. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you gave me permission for that. Yeah. Nice and I would give anyone permission for, I mean, think about a 30 year habit of alcohol. How can you just say tonight? I'm never drinking again. I mean, yeah, it just, uh, well, not I, even, it, it's not even possible. We,
1: yeah. We want a quick fix. And I don't even believe in quick fixes. That's a health coach. That's my auntie. You know, it's not about popping a pill. It's about getting to the root. And yet I still going through this journey, wanted a quick fix. I wanted it to be now next month and to have permission for it to take, a year or two. I mean, I'm really impatient about that. And I, I you know, I kind of want to just be a high achiever and do it. But um, that's completely okay. And you gave me permission for, for that. There was so much permission in our coaching that really helped just having someone else witness you and see where you're at and saying it's okay, the way that you're doing and and here's some more tools to, to sort of help. And I wanted to just add on the why can't I drink? Um, it just came to me just now. Um, why do I want to, would be a question to ask, because mm-hmm. I think that I had all these ideas in my head of why I wanted to, and none of them were actually true. And you know how we have, you know, we, we have this, um, we think we have a set of values, but our values change. You know, we have values from when we were kids to when we were young adults to as we grow through our decades, and, and they change. And sometimes we think something's a really strong value. And it's not anymore when you dig down, you write it all out. And so I would say when you're thinking, why can't I, to actually ask yourself, why do I want to? And are the reasons I want to actually true? Are they legit? Do they make sense to me? Because probably when you write them down, especially for me, they, they weren't. I didn't, yeah, none of them really rang true anymore.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like holding on to this, like <laughs> this idea. Right. And, you know, again, with the like, why, and I thank you for saying that it's that values is like creating your life intention. It's so important to like, really seeing like, not only with alcohol, but where am I aligning, you know, and if I lead with my, my values, it might not be a quick fix, but it's, you know, it's that deeper exploration of, of being giving myself permission to be me like you started off this interview like giving myself permission to be authentic in all of the ways that I show up and I think that you've really articulated that journey well um but that kind of and you can tell me what you how you think about this now of that you know that normalcy um do you think that that's a story too the oh. why can't I do it normally
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> I think i was i was with that um frustrated that i I could see people in my life who who drank in moderation and you know once in a while and it just it just didn't have the same um pull as it did for me when i got like, i'm an excitable person And so I'd have a drink and I'd get more excited and want to have another drink and um whereas I would see these other people in a different way and the thing is i what I didn't realize is you know i don't it's not, I don't need or want it to be the way that they drink alcohol either. Right. I just need to figure out how, what my relationship is with it. There's not really a comparison there. So right. I don't know if that answers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And my, I always like to think too, the reason (laughs) if you never try to say no, even if you, you know, have your, even if you drink a couple of times a week, like it can still be a habit and this isn't judging anyone else, but until you try to say no, you never know if it's hard, right? Because you just, that's okay. So the habit itself is, I think what it, you know, is the challenge, right? Not so much, even what, how it's affecting you. Um, well, but there's all like, of it, and it's just so overlapped with you know you when you were talking, you really called out literally every single emotion. Alcohol has <laughs> the monopoly on every single emotion when it comes to marketing. yeah everything. When it yeah. Comes to marketing, they've oh in that way, yeah, can hit, and and that's why I think that you know the it's so well. um, it's, it's, it's just so implanted in our, in our psyche, in our being that like for every single emotion, you've got the answer and that's how people sell things. Yeah. Um, Which is
1: pretty dark and twisted. It's pretty dark and twisted. it is When you start thinking about it, it is pretty dark and twisted because I, I don't know if like that
0: constant bombardment in your face of it if it was just like left up to us humans as we would be normally if we would have decided to go to that for every single occasion
1: well and also i think that as our as our world changes and it gets faster and it's it's harder because it's it's looked at as as because you talk about would we go towards it normally no what are we used to you know dealing with texts and and email are we no as our world evolves and grows it's it's um, yeah, it's even more uh, just all intertwined and kind of in a sales thing like that. What I wanted to say quickly um, as well is something that I did a lot, this might really, um, people might be able to relate to this Who's li- who are listening to this. What I used to do a lot, just talking about comparing myself to someone who has one or two drinks once in a blue moon and that's it. There's so many ways when you're exploring your relationship with alcohol to compare it to everybody else. And I know that there might be people listening to this thinking, well, I don't drink a whole bottle of wine, it's not a problem. Um, but if you have just two or three drinks, even a few times a week, it could be having a similar impact in, you know, affecting how you feel the next day, affecting your sleep. Um, uh, I mean, there's there's so be careful when you're, I don't need to say be careful, be careful when you're comparing your own habit to, because what I used to do is look for other people's to make me feel okay about mine. Oh, look, that person drinks like me they're fine. They're successful. They're professional. They have integrity. Then I'm fine because I drink like them or look at someone who drinks a little less and then put judgment on myself. Well, why can't I drink like that? It really just comes down to you. You, you know, that comparison is not really um, helpful or necessary.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we never really know what's going on under behind closed doors and under the surface of the mind, right? With, with yeah. someone because they could be having some experience we're just not privy to.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, tell sure. me
0: a belief that you have now about el- your relationship with alcohol that you never that you never would have thought you would have <laughs> before.
1: Oh gosh, uh, so a belief that I have now that I never thought I would have had.
0: Yeah, or that's different than than what how what you used to believe about alcohol.
1: Well, I think that it's. Uh, I used to think that just things wouldn't be as fun that not having alcohol in my life was going to take all the fun out of my life. It, that's a big belief because it was tied into fun. It was tied into dancing. It was tied into socializing. It was tied into dinners out and sitting on patios in the sunshine, even riding my bike long distances. We would stop 15, 20 miles in and have a pint sitting outside in the sun. And there was something so glorious about that to me that nothing was going to compare to and so and i'm still this is a work in progress um but experimenting with the, these sorts of things and realizing the how much better they are without alcohol um and that festival you know will be coming up at some stage we're still not there yet but that'll be really interesting for me to see how that experience um will be uh without without the influence of alcohol so and then maybe another one would be um that i've that i i never i never thought i could get you know, I thought I got excited about alcoholic beverages. uh, Whereas as a health coach and a herbalist, there's so many fun things that you can get excited about drinking. And, and when you're, when you're drinking uh, alcohol, your taste isn't quite the same. Uh, Obviously your perception, your smell, everything kind of change, you're altering your state. And so it's fun to get experimental and actually get excited about non-alcoholic drinks and what kind of herbs and elixirs and things could be made with sparkling water or, uh, so that was a belief that, um, probably changed as well that I can, I can have fun and excite, get excited and, and actually taste and smell and experience these beautiful drinks rather than just numbing everything out with a glass of wine.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So when you, I love that, that was kind of one of the ones for me too, was it won't be, <laughs> it won't be any fun. Um, What has that allowed you to grow inside of yourself? I mean, you know, I guess there's the the alcohol itself and, you know, having the majority of the time, not drinking and then having times when you do and just kind of being in the experimental phase, but how do you think this process has translated into other areas of your life?
1: Oh, just a calmness. And I think this is, this is a wonderful full circle because this is what I was thinking when you asked at the beginning of my call about what I'm excited about, what's magic in my life right now, and you know, there's so many i I have old journals from fifteen years ago that said I want to meditate and do yoga and um you know my daily weekly things that, that I want to incorporate into my life, and I would do them here and there, and i'm you know I still don't do things necessarily every single day um but I have all this, I feel like, okay, I'm going to jump over on a little bit. So one is living in the authentic life and actually doing these, these things that bring me so much joy, like meditating and yoga, and re- I'm reading so much more. I just feel clear and present and whole. And without that chatter, I'm not constantly bashing myself over the head a couple of times a week with the guilt and the shame and the um, uh, the saying you're going to do something and not doing it. So my integrity has grown, grown, str- grown strong. Um, I just feel, I just feel so much more balanced and happy in my day-to-day life. Um, and shoot, I was going to say something else and I lost my train of thought there. Darn. No, <laughs> you find you
0: use this process in other areas, the, the curiosity and the,
1: oh, for sure. Yeah. Around, um, around food, around caffeine, Uh, I'm currently doing an elimination experience with one of of my group programs. And it's interesting because I've done this quite a few times and I see myself, I also don't believe in healthy and not, not healthy. It depends what works for you. I mean, there's obvious things that aren't good for everybody Mm. um, like sugar. Um, But it's interesting because I think, oh, you know, I've really mapped in what my body needs. And then I find myself in this um, doing the program alongside all of my um, attendees and just little discoveries. And um, it's so fun to, I, th- I think once you start getting curious about your body and your mind and, um, your habits, it's, it's, it, it's a lifelong journey for one. So that's one thing to keep in mind. We might figure out what we need and, and what helps today. And that will change in six months from now. But the great thing is, is that once you start on this with this detective hat and investigating you're, you'll always be figuring out what, what makes you feel good. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's so much crossover for uh, just, just feeling good, just Mm -hmm. feeling good with, and there's that connection between self-love and, and um, self-worth as well. I mean, everything is all connected. And so just by unpacking alcohol, I mean, and I think an important thing too, is saying that like, I wouldn't change a thing. It would not change. I love my life to date. And uh, I just really, I wouldn't change a single thing. I'm feel so grateful and so lucky. Uh, and I'm excited about what the future looks like with from this clearer perspective, because I just feel I, I, every year I'm going to get healthier and better, and I want to be Benjamin Button. and <laughs> age
0: backwards. <laughs> so many people say that when they start this process because like you were talking about with health, you know, I mean, this does roll into that. And I would love for you to talk, just give us a couple little things about how you've seen this affect people or what might be showing up for them that could be eliminated by looking at alcohol. Um, But is that status quo, that kind of, you know, when you're talking about like the normalcy, like, especially when you were in England of like that daily drinking and like, it wasn't really resonating with you then, but was there just a status quo, like kind of, um, something you've resigned to, you know, a way of kind of feeling.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. The, the the, the, how I was talking at the beginning about, um, adding these little things on that, that change how we feel day to day. And we just accept it as our, as that's how we are. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's so much there, uh, so, so much there. And it's interesting because in my twenties, you know, I had some health issues, really serious irritable bowel syndrome, and got tested for all the the diseases and was told there was nothing wrong with me. And I remember being in tears in the doctor's office. Well, if there's nothing wrong with me, why is this happening to me? Why am I in so much pain? I was explaining what was going on. And and they're looking at the professionals looking at me saying there's nothing wrong with you. And didn't even think that, you know, I would be going out after work and not having dinner and drinking a couple of pints of beer. I mean, it's, it's amazing, um what was was normal, and it didn't even click that I could think about or make some of these changes, you know, obviously, that was a long time ago now, but
0: um, yeah, well, we also didn't click for the doctors, and this is why I say question your own truth, because even inside of authority is bias, even inside of science is bias, and without when it comes to alcohol. There is a lot of bias in, in amongst the medical industry and in amongst the mental health industry that is not explored and discovered. And so I just want to give that little shout out.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's important because it's also looked at as a disease, which I don't, I mean, I know this, this might be controversial, but I don't believe it's a disease, mm-hmm. you know, and it is a stigma. You fill up that little form of how many units you drink when you go to the doctor these days, when you check in and what have you, and you feel embarrassed or, or shy, or most people, some people would lie. Maybe some people wouldn't. Um. But you, I don't feel like it's easy to go to the doctor. And one, they don't ask about it, which is interesting because if anything's going on with the gut, the first question should be, "What are you eating and drinking?" <laughs> you know. Yeah. But two, if they did, it's you don't feel safe to be able to explain your thoughts and emotions and physical things around it. Well, at least I didn't. I mean, I shouldn't generalize and say that for everybody, but um, yeah, you absolutely have to be your own health advocate in a lot of ways, still go to the doctor. The doctor is real important and they do a really good job at what they're good at. And you know, you need to, you need to advocate for your own health as well. Yeah.
0: And there's so many other healing modalities out there, like Aaron's work. So Aaron, one of the things that maybe you could just mention this briefly as we wrap up is, um, you had mentioned candida, but I mean, I think like gut health is seeming to be the thing that we really need to yes. start paying attention to for heart health. Like that affects heart health that affects everything. So affects can you just everything. talk a little bit about like what symptoms someone might look for if to start exploring that?
1: Sure. So, I mean, just on the topic of candida, it has a bad rap, I guess, for a reason, because it does take a little while to rebalance, you have to be pretty committed. And you don't need to go through what I had been through. I think, you know, my, my as everyone's situation is quite unique. You can have just even a slight imbalance. Um, yeast bacteria in your gut. And some of those symptoms would be uh, extended or bloated belly after eating. So yeast bacteria feeds off sugar. And if you think about making a loaf of bread, so when you add the yeast to the bread, it will react with the sugar or the honey or the whatever sweetener you have in there. Um, and it will, it will expand. And right. so that's what's happening in your gut. If you have a, an imbalance of um, yeast bacteria, um, you might also have a, a white film on your tongue, you might have things like, Um, a fungal like ringworm, you know, a rash on your skin, or chronic yeast infections can be another sign. And so alcohol can very much be a contributor to that. And just remember, like in my instance, if you do give it up, you want to be giving it, um, you want to be sort of supporting yourself in in other ways with your your gut health. So probiotics are really great. Uh, Eating fermented foods are really great. And um, the other thing that I think is really important for people to realize is alcohol doesn't have any fat, protein or fiber. It is strictly glucose. It is sugar. So what happens when people tend to give up alcohol is they um, can start reaching for sugar more than they normally would and uh that's also going to give you a similar dopamine effect it's it's why we um people reach for alcohol on a hangover it's you know it's going to help kind of balance you out and so will sugar with your blood sugar levels especially if you are um giving up alcohol or or reducing alcohol so things you can do to support that would be to add in more sweet foods um and a whole i mean whole foods uh so carrots beets apples uh sweet potatoes a lot of those um, the carrots and beets and sweet potatoes are even sweeter when you cook them or roast them. And so it's kind of preempting. If you add those in those sugar cravings will be less naturally. Um, and also maybe just predicting or preempting. If you have an afternoon crash, let's say every day at four o'clock, you reach for a chocolate bar, or you know, your, your body's going to reach for the sweetest thing because it's going to be the most instant glucose. We all need and want glucose because it's our energy source. And, but when it has fiber um, and protein and fat, it takes a while for the body to digest it. Whereas that chocolate bar is gonna be an immediate boost. And so if you know that happens to you every day, then maybe at 3.30, you have an apple with some nut butter and give yourself some, your body, some nutrition. Um, Alcohol also depletes the body of um, nutrients and minerals. And so we really want to be eating a whole uh, nutrient dense uh, diet. And so you can be adding in superfoods like hemp hearts and chia seeds um, sesame seeds, pumpkin seeds, that kind of thing to meals, just to boost up the nutrient content, uh, and just eat lots of vegetables, drink lots of water. Sometimes it's the simplest things, uh, and just to support your digestive system really, and to help heal your gut. Leaky gut's a big thing and alcohol has a big part in that as well. Yeah.
0: And what is like, what is some long-term implication of
1: leak that of that? Oh gosh, brain fog. Um, I mean, Digestion issues, skin issues, constipation, I guess, with digestion or the opposite. Um, I mean, the list is endless. It's, yeah. it's uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: And we're really seeing, too, the big connection between also depression and gut health. And Absolutely.
1: Health that would be health. something on there as well. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I would add, too, you know, when we talk about the sugar cravings, which is like what I in coaching terms we'd call buffering, um, substituting one one or the other, the other is really going into the mind too. And the thoughts and asking some of these same questions of, you know, why do I want this? What does my body really need right now? Kind of doing that same investigation further. Yes. Because Um, sometimes
1: you're just thirsty. Sometimes you're just thirsty. Sometimes it's as simple as you're just a little thirsty. And if you were to drink a glass of water, uh, that would help with your sugar craving or with your alcohol craving. You know, I I have clients that I work with who will say, um, and I think this may have been something we spoke about as well, Mary and our coaching. But if you're, if you're having that nightly beer or glass of wine, even if it's only one to eat dinner first, so say, yes, I can have that drink, but I have to eat dinner first mm-hmm. and you eat your dinner. And if you still want it, then you have it. And nine times out of 10. I mean, I don't know if I should say this part because it's supposed to be the secret surprise when you do the first step, <laughs> you don't want to do these things to get results. Cause if the results doesn't don't come, it's okay. Uh, but most of the time you don't want to have that drink anymore or eat that sugary thing or, yep. you know,
0: you're just, oh yeah, yourself. huge. I mean, I definitely substituted alcohol for food for a long time, so yeah. I know how that goes. Aaron Vanderkoy, you are a blessing. (laughs) I am so glad you're in my life. Thank you so much. And what is the best place for our audience to find you and come work with you and find out about all of your good stuff?
1: Would be my website, erinvanderkoy.com. I'm also on Instagram, getting better and better at my social media. So that is Aaron underscore Vanderkoy. You can catch me there. And I'm also on Facebook, Aaron Vanderkoy Wellness. Yeah. So any of those places please reach out. I would be thrilled to chat with you. I have a free holistic health consultation for 30 minutes if anyone wants to discuss things. It's no strings attached. So please feel free to book that as well. I'd be uh, excited to hear from you.
0: Yeah, and I think that the you know these two journeys would really go hand in hand together for sure. So, um, thank you so much. And we'll have all of your information in the show notes. So Erin, you're the best. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for all of our listeners for being here as well. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, if you are loving this podcast, you're definitely ready for the next step. I would love to invite you to learn my three shifts process to interrupt any craving and get you started on your journey to finding freedom from alcohol. All you need to do is click the link in the show notes or on my website, marywagstaffcoach.com to schedule a private call with me. You will leave the call with the tools for success and feeling confident and excited about entering into your new phase of life, and it's completely free to you. I look forward to connecting.